Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Danielle Liss. Each week, we will help you unlock the secrets of influencer marketing through interviews with leading professionals, and tips and tricks to help you scale your business. Sit back, grab a coffee, and let's talk all things influencer marketing. Hi, this is Jamie. And this is Danielle. And welcome to the Businesses Influencer Marketing Podcast, Episode 6. Woohoo! Yay! Yes, yep. Pretty much going to say yay every time. (laughs) We are pretty excited because this episode is all about intellectual property, which is trademarks and copyrights. I know. Well, don't forget about patents, but we don't talk about those very much. No, those scare us a little bit. We prefer (laughs) to talk about your logos and your work products and all that cool stuff. I'm actually really excited about this one because I just got back from D.C. um, where I spoke at the Type A Parent Conference about this exact topic. Awesome. How did it go? It went really well. It was um, it was the conference was really cool. There was some changes made to the conference. It ran really, really well. I was impressed. Although I'm not going to lie, I feel like I've been traveling nonstop. Between the two of us, how many places have we been? It's fall conference season in full force right now. We've left the country. We went to, we have. We went, <laughs> we went to Canada. We've mm-hmm. been all over the East Coast. Um, I head out to Dallas. You're heading out to California. It's, I just, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure where I am actually. I know. It's been so crazy. How is it with the boys? How are they coping? You know, my my kids are awesome, actually. They're very, at this point, I just sort of give them a heads up the day before. I'm like, hey guys, mommy's got to take a trip. And they're like, again? Okay. <laughs> But my favorite part, honestly, is when I come back and I pick them up from school, my oldest just, I mean, he actually knocked me over. He was so excited to see me and I was excited to see him. It was good. That's awesome. You know, it's so hard when you get back from that much traveling because you feel like you need a reentry period. I know I definitely do. Honestly, I'd like a couple of days just to kind of ease back into life. But way so often you're just like kind of thrown in and it's like the next morning you're just up at the same time and doing all the same stuff. And it's like, where's my, I I need some time to just sit. That's so true. I got off the plane from Boston. I I basically went from DC to Boston to back-to-back conferences. I stepped off the plane and got on a conference call and was on conference calls from the time I got off the plane until the time I set foot into my older son's school to pick him up. It was Mm -hmm. crazy. So 
I'm taking some time to myself Friday morning and I'm going to get a Good. manicure. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. It is very important. You got to take time for yourself. Self-care. And we want to hear from, yes. And we want to hear from everybody in the HQ what you think about travel. We'll have a conversation there about how you like to re-enter after a trip. I would love all tips and tools on better ways to re-enter. <laughs> yes, please. Perfect. Thank Today you. we'll be talking about trademarks and copyrights. You can get all of the show notes at businessease.com slash episode six. But right now we're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hashtag Legal. Hashtag Legal is a full service law firm specializing in influencer marketing, social media, and service professionals. We offer a wide range of services, contract review and drafting, trademark and copyright registration and monitoring, FTC advice and disclosures, and full site reviews, including drafting site terms and conditions and privacy policies. Check us out at www.hashtag-legal.com. Okay, welcome back. We're going to get started on today's episode talking about trademarks. And we want to make one thing pretty clear throughout the episode because we see, unfortunately, when we're speaking, um, Jamie, I'm sure you see this too. Sometimes people get trademarks and copyrights confused. I see that all the time. So we want to make sure that you understand the difference and when they apply in the influencer marketing space. Let's get started. What's a trademark? It's a word, a name, a symbol that represents your brand. It's going to identify the source of goods or services, and it distinguishes them from those of other brands. A trademark is all about protecting consumers from confusion in between brands. That's one of the things I always, that I think shocks people the most is when I tell people that trademarks are actually there to protect consumers so that consumers don't think that one brand is come, you know, a product is coming from one brand versus another brand. Much like if you walked into any McDonald's, you would expect you would get McDonald's products, which is why somebody else can't open up a store or have products named McDonald's. Um, The other thing that I think surprises people most about trademarks is you actually get your rights for a trademark through using it. So you don't get to hoard names. You actually have to use it. And I know <laughs> like people, domains. <laughs> yes. Domains do not give you a trademark. This was a very common question I heard at type A and where people assumed because you bought the domain, you are set. No, trademark rights come through use. And the first person to use it typically has priority. And one thing that's really important to note is that not everything can be trademarked. So, for example, a mark can't be considered too descriptive. So, for example, Jamie and I couldn't call ourselves law firm if we wanted to because that would be too descriptive. This area gets into a lot of nuance about the different types of things that would potentially be considered descriptive. So this is where we often recommend for people, if you aren't sure, talk to a lawyer at this stage. And, of course, we are very biased, so we say give us a call at hashtag legal. We love trademarks. Trademarks a big portion of what we do at hashtag legal. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the other thing that people need to think about, and this is the thing I think people most commonly think about when it comes to trademarks is you can't use a name that's the same as someone else's or one that would be confusingly similar. So when you're thinking about, if you're starting a new business, starting a new product, not only do you want to think about 
what I've just described, the confusing, which is in legalese called likelihood of confusion. That just means it can't be the same or similar. You also have to think about what Danielle was just talking about with something distinctive. You you don't want it to be too descriptive of what you're doing. The other thing you have to think about is not only do you have to be using the mark, but you have to use the mark, and here's another legal term, in commerce. And all that What does that mean? Ah, it's such a good question. All that means is you're making some money off of using that mark. It doesn't have to be a lot of money. I know we love money, right? It doesn't have to be a lot of money. We've seen blogs do it by just showing that they have some ad revenue and it can be, there's no threshold for the amount of money. Um, It just has to be used in connection with how you're using that name for whatever good or service that you want the trademark to be um, referencing. So the next question we usually get is, okay, I have those things covered. I want to get a trademark. What's next? And the answer there is research. You want to take a look at a few different places to see whether or not it is being used or could potentially be too similar to anyone else's trademark. The number one place we direct people to is called TESS. That is the USPTO's website where you can do searches, and we will leave a link to that in the show notes. We also recommend the very simple Google search. Make sure it's not being used by any other companies. You can also check Facebook and company databases to see if there's anything that's too similar to the mark that you are potentially going to apply for. This is actually the place where Danielle and I typically spend the most time when we're doing registration. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really important that you don't just go in and register, try to register trademark blind because you actually could have some penalties if in fact you are infringing on someone else's name. You need to show that you at least tried to make sure that you weren't. So it's really important that you do the research on the front end. And we in our practice have all these tips and tools to do that. Should we tell people what comes up in the searches sometimes? Because they can get funny. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Danielle and I love to send each other the funny things that we get in the searches. (laughs) You would be amazed at the number of seemingly innocent words, I think, that can be taken (laughs) on a very different road. It's kind of like when you go into your Google Analytics and you see the SEO searches that sometimes will drive people to your site. And you're like, what? People are searching for that. It's guys, dirty. They have trademarks too. <laughs> it's dirty, guys, and it's really <laughs> funny. We get a kick out of it. This is yes, lawyer, lawyer jokes. <laughs> so, so Joe the next our law nerd today. Oh, I no. know. <laughs> so the next question we always get is, okay, well, I know all this. Should I register? If you're using my advice to people is typically if you're using this name, if it's in connection with a brand that you're growing, yeah, you should because you want to be able to use the name in commerce and not have to worry about anyone else copying you or trying to take it from you. An important one is timing. If you're starting to use a name, if you're starting to get traction, register it because if someone else started using it before you or even if someone started using it after you and you let it go for too long, you may lose some of your rights. It also, it puts, registration puts the world on notice. It tells the world this is your trademark and it essentially gives you the protections that you wouldn't normally get if you hadn't registered it. It also gives you a sense of credibility. 
brands love it. And if you ever decide to sell your product or brand or your company, having a trademark, having that intellectual property makes it more valuable. Exactly. And there's a lot of interesting things that you can do to make money with trademarks, like licensing. We're not going to get into that right now, but it's another area of business that I think is a great one that influencers can sometimes explore. The next question that we get is, okay, I'm doing all the things. I'm thinking about it. Why would I want to register? There's a couple of reasons that we think are really important that people know. First of all, it gives you the right to sue in federal court. That's really important so that if there is an infringement case, you've got additional rights when it comes to the lawsuits you can bring. There's a legal presumption of ownership. So if you filed that trademark and it's registered, it is a legal assumption that you are the owner. And the other big thing is there is constructive notice nationwide of your ownership as of the application date. So that's there's a lot of benefits that come to being registered and showing up in that test database alone because people know it's there and they know who's using it and that you are using it. And so the other thing that people frequently ask us about and the last thing is what is trademark infringement? People sort of know that name and they always get worried about, always worry about it and they wonder what does it mean um, if somebody's infringing on my trademark. And all that means is they're using a name that is the same or similar to a trademarked name and the consumer, and this goes back to the per- the people, the consumers, and why this protection is in place, may not know where the goods are coming from. Um, so it's really important that when you are choosing your names or when you do have a trademark, that you are making sure that you are either not infringing on somebody else's trademark and that nobody is infringing on yours. Jamie, what's the last question that we always get? Should I hire a lawyer? Why should I hire a lawyer? Can't I just use LegalZoom? Or can I do it myself? Uh, yes. a lot. <laughs> yes. What we typically tell people here is trademarks can be a complicated area. If you have any confusion or questions, we strongly recommend that this is an area where you talk to a lawyer. We are big fans of DIY when you can. Businesses has DIY legal forms. We have we are full supporters of that. When it comes to trademarks, just because of the type of law that's involved, this is a great time to contact a lawyer. When it comes to LegalZoom, we also recommend working directly with an attorney as opposed to using just a filing service because you have more interaction there. And also it's not going to be parsed out just by the service. So you know that typically when you hire someone to work with you on your trademark, they're going to see it from start to finish. The other thing that we frequently see is the the amount of work on the front end of a trademark, there's so much of it, but then the amount of work after you've registered, because nine times out of 10, a lot of trademark registrations get what are called office actions, which means mm-hmm. that the trademark office has questions, has concerns, may be rejecting your trademark. And dealing with those is another nuanced area that can frequently be overwhelming unless you've done it before and you're trained in it. So if you guys have any questions or anybody has any concerns, we are more than happy to chat about trademarks. It's sort of our happy place. And our next happy place is copyright, which is a really cool area. And there's actually more DIY in copyright than you would think. Copyrights come up so frequently in the influencer marketing world. And there's a very good reason why. So let's talk about what a copyright is first. These are legal rights that are given to creators of an original work that's fixed in a tangible medium. Do you think people are just like, their eyes are just, mm -mm. So much legalese. (laughs) (laughs) Let's explain it. 
Tell us what originality is. Originality means that it is something that you have created. It is not copied from someone else. It is not based on someone else's work. It is your original thought that has been captured in some way. So this tangible medium piece that you're hearing, that means it has been expressed into the world in some way. So let's say if you are doing video, it's your video. If you are a screenwriter, it could be your screenplay. If you are a blogger, it could be your blog or your photographs. It has to be fixed in some sort of expression of that original work. And the cool thing about copyright is you get common law copyright protection the minute you create it. And for your works, works that you own, you own that copyright uh, for the life of the author plus 70 years, which is a very long time. And for something called works for hire, which just means somebody has hired you to create a copyrightable work, it is either 95 years from publication or 120 from the time that you created. So copyright protections are long. And they happen, common law copyright, this isn't registration, this is just the protections that you get um, just by creating that original work, taking that photo, writing that blog post. So the next big question is what can be copyrighted? There are some specific things that cannot be copyrighted that a lot of people, I think they really wish could be. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The things that can be copyrighted, that's things like the writing photographs, graphics, and even your website itself. Some examples of this are books, software code, podcasts, like this one we can copyright, websites, marketing materials, video games, music, movies, videos, anything that is that fixed medium, that is the piece itself that can be copyrighted. So here's the downer part and the part that I always hate having to say, what cannot be copyrighted are ideas. So if you have an idea for an amazing product, you cannot copyright that idea. You can copyright the manifestation of that idea. If you have an idea for an amazing blog post, you can copyright the actual blog post. But the idea for it, the idea for a product that's not copyrightable. A good example of that and another thing that can't be copyrighted are recipes that are just get so much discussion. It's so true. Just the listing of ingredients and any kind of listing of ingredients like formulas or prescriptions. However, you can copyright recipe books because what you're copywriting is the order in which you're putting the recipes together. You can also copyright the photos of your recipe and the words around your recipe. But no, unfortunately, recipes cannot be copyrighted and nor can ideas. And we hear a lot of questions about that. No worries. It's the other pieces that are typically copyrighted. The next question that we get is, how do you copyright? So this is a piece that can be done pretty easily DIY. You have to put everyone on notice. You then register with the copyright office and you make a deposit. It's not a super complicated process. I love that about copyright because frequently we have people call us and ask us to do the registration, which we will, but you really typically don't need us. And the neat thing about having a copyright registration is you get a lot of these great advantages. It's in the public record. If you need to sue someone for copyright infringement in court, you actually, you must be registered. There's certain statutory damages. And what that means, another legalese, is there are- You say, what is that? I know, what the heck is a statutory (laughs) damage? It just means that there are actual set damages that you can get if you have a copyright registration 
so long as you registered prior to someone infringing on it. You can also get attorney's fees. So if you have to hire a lawyer to help if someone is infringing on your copyright, you that person who's infringing may have to pay you your attorney's fees. And if you register within five years of your publication, and by publication we mean just taking the picture, whatever you've created, you get what's called the presumption of validity. I love that. It just means that you have a copyright. <laughs> I love legalese makes me giggle. So there's a lot of <laughs> it, does. Really, it does. There's a lot of really good advantages to registering a copyright. Although there are some challenges, particularly in the online space, uh, which we see a lot. Yeah. What tends to happen in the online space is what you are getting your copyright on is the version that you have submitted for registration. This is a challenge because every updated version has to be registered separately. What we have seen in some cases that bloggers will do is register on a quarterly basis for a quarter's worth of content. And they do it as a compilation of posts. So that may be one way to handle it. But if you have made changes, it would need to be re-registered. I've also seen if um, a blogger has a particularly popular photo that they've been asked about licensing, which we'll go into our next conversation. That's another way that um, some influencers will handle it as if they'll choose their most popular items or items that they're looking to monetize or that have the, the better chance of being copied. So a lot of people ask us, all right, I have a copyright. What can I do with it besides stop other people from copying it or using it or making it into something else? The cool thing about copyrights, which is typically the area where we get involved as attorneys, is licensing. With copyrights, you get what my law school professor, and I don't know why this always made me giggle, described as a bundle of sticks. And all that means is you have this little bundle of rights with your copyright. You can reproduce, you can distribute, you can display perform publicly, create a derivative work. And that just means create a work from your original work. For ex the example I always use is the Harry Potter movies are a derivative work of the Harry Potter book. And you can transfer any of these rights. So you can give away, sell as many or as few of these rights as you want, which is why it's really so important that when you are either transferring ownership of your copyright or purchasing somebody else's copyright, a license to somebody else's copyrighted work, you read what you're giving away and what you're getting. And as we talked about in our last episode, this is something that should be covered in your influencer contract. So in your sponsored content information, it should say if a brand is hiring you for something, what kind of license are they getting to, let's say, display that work. One thing we really want to urge you is please make sure that if you are doing some type of licensing that you are getting it in writing. And that is either way, if someone, if you are getting a license from someone else or if they are getting one to use your works, please put it in writing. And remember, you can limit this however you want. And so Jamie's bundle of sticks reference, I love it because think of it this way. If you're my son who is three and you want to keep all those sticks for yourself, you can keep <laughs> all those sticks. But if you just want to share one stick, you can. So what you can say is you don't have the right to create derivative works, but I, can, I will let you display this as long as you haven't made any changes. You can do all sorts of combinations there to make the most sense for your business. And this is really important when you're trying to make use of somebody else's work. 
So a frequent question that we get from people is, okay, how do I use somebody else's work? The number one piece of advice we always give is just, just ask them. <laughs> don't take it. <laughs> yeah. And, ask, and it's amazing. <laughs> really think about it. What is the asking somebody? You're just saying, Hey, can I use this? And they're saying, yeah, you can put it in a blog post. So they just give you a license to display, right? Exactly. And so it can be as simple as an email. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're just asking to use it in, a, if you're asking to use a photograph or if you just want to display something, it really can be very simple. The other way that you can use somebody else's work is to buy a license. When you go on the stock photo sites, not the free ones, we never recommend using those. And you're buying a stock photo for $5, a dollar, whatever it costs, you're buying a license. But the important thing to be aware of is the Creative Commons license, which is what essentially... If somebody takes a photograph and I'm using photos in as an, as an example, and they want the world to be able to use this most beautiful photograph for free, they grant the world a creative commons license, which means anybody can use it for free. And there can be limits on that creative commons, but let's just say I want the world to be able to display my photo for free. It's really important that you're sure the person who's granting the creative commons license has that license to grant. So in a lot of, unfortunately, in a lot of the stock photo sites, what you're ultimately seeing is you're seeing people giving creative commons license to photos that they don't actually have the license for. And that's when people get in trouble. So we highly recommend using the paid sites. There's a lot of them with great deals out there. There's some that we really love. Um, we can drop a few in the show notes, um, mm -hmm. but be very careful about using the creative commons. One other thing is don't, if you're using those creative commons sites, keep track of what you are using and what the license said, because you don't want to be taken by surprise three years down the line if somebody has changed the license on their photo. That's so important. We unfortunately have clients come to us who get these letters years after using a photo without even knowing that they're infringing on a copyright and it still isn't a defense. So it's important that you're very careful about what you're using. Another way that you can use somebody else's work is something called work for hire, which I, we touched on a little bit before. If you're an employee, say you're the social media manager or you run the blog of a company that you work for and you're writing blog posts, the company, if you're an employee, owns everything that you're doing because you're doing it in, during the course of your employment. This can also happen in independent contractor situations where someone hires you to do work and it'll be really clearly written that you are making a work for hire, which means the company that's hiring you owns all of your work product and what it is that you're doing for them. And it's really important if you are the person who is hiring someone, whether it's an employee or an independent contractor, get that in writing. Make sure it's really really clear how that intellectual property is going to be handled. Are they creating the work for you? Do they still have rights to use it? I think we've probably seen just about every variation you can think of in different contracts. So make sure it's really clear. And another one that I, we often have situations where people are forming businesses with other people, make sure it's clear how the intellectual property will be handled in, let's say if you're doing an LLC, put that into your operating agreement. So there's never going to be a question or a fight because nobody wants to deal with that. And you know exactly who has the rights to each thing that's been created. The last way that you can use somebody else's work is uh, fair use. 
Uh, fair use is really complicated. We're not going to get. This does get so confusing for people. I think it yeah. gets confusing in the legal world, let alone um, for it does people because who aren't familiar. It's case by case. It's really fact driven. So frequently, when someone calls me and says, "Hey, can I can I use fair use for this?" My answer is usually. Maybe because <laughs> it really depends. <laughs> Everyone's favorite. Yeah, that's my favorite lawyer answer. It depends on the facts, but it's actually very true because when a fair use comes up as a defense to copyright infringement, so when fair use comes up as an as a defense to somebody saying that you've infringed on their copyright, courts look at a number of factors. We're going to list off those factors so you have an idea of what they are, but it really is a case by case basis. So if you have a question, we always recommend that you consult with a lawyer. So here are just a few places where fair use is permitted. If you're making commentary on the work, search engines can use thumbnails in criticism of the work. Parody, that's the one you probably hear most frequently. Weird Al. News, weird Al. That's what yes, I Weird Al. Um, <laughs> news reporting. So if you wonder why the news is able to display the photos that they do within research or teaching, library archiving, and scholarship. Those are some of the most common examples for the limited uses that are approved within the fair use umbrella. So if you're thinking about fair use, the thing that you're really looking at is how the person is using it. Non-commercial use is better because uh, a court would consider how the purpose and character of the use. If somebody's making money off of it, there's less of a chance that it's fair use. The nature of the work, say fact-based versus creative, fact-based is scientific facts that more falls in line. The amount you use. So the more you copy, the less likely it is fair use. So you should only use the amount that you need. Uh, and a great example of that are book reviews. You don't want to be copying a full chapter into your book review, but excerpts can be okay. And the effect on the market. Will you replace the original work? Um, and so if what you're doing is will essentially replace it and the copyright holder will lose parts of the market, that would be less likely to be fair use. Since we said before, facts are not copyrightable. You can certainly use facts and any works that are in the public domain. So the next question we always get is how do I protect my own work from people infringing on it? So the one thing we want to make sure you know is that you are covered as soon as you create that work. As soon as that idea is expressed in that fixed tangible medium, like we said, you have those common law copyright rights. You can also register and that gives you the additional rights that we talked about earlier. The most common thing that we see is if you find that someone is infringing on your work, they've copied it, they've created a derivative work, whatever the case might be, send a cease and desist letter. A lot of times you'd be amazed at how frequently people just don't know they weren't allowed to do it because I think way too frequently we have the idea that if it's on the internet, I can have it. How it's many so times true. do we used to hear that? <laughs> I did a Google image search and I just right clicked it. If I couldn't use it, I wouldn't have been allowed to do that, right? <laughs> the answer there is no, please don't do that. Um, so you can send a cease and desist letter essentially telling them this is my work. You need to stop using it. If that doesn't work to get the original person who posted to take it down, you can do what's called a DMCA takedown request. That's the Digital Millennial Copyright Act. And there, rather than going to the person who posted it, you go to the host 
of that website and say, it's a safe harbor provision. I'm not going to get too far into what the law is, but essentially you send a letter to that host and by asking them to take it down, the host themselves isn't then responsible for the copyright infringement. And there are, that's another thing that I think most people can do. DIY is a DMCA letter. There are a lot of really great resources that walk you through step-by-step of everything that needs to be included in a takedown request. Typically we find that we get most involved with copyright issues as attorneys with uh, clients who've received letters that they are infringing on someone else's copyright or if there is a fight about whether a work is copyrighted. Uh, we we give a lot of advice in that realm, but there is a lot of ways um, that copyright you can deal with yourself as long as you sort of have the right resources and educate yourself about what you need to do. But as always, if you have questions, uh, we frequently chat with people and give them information and help them out. So you can always give an attorney a call just to ask them if, if you're not sure. That, so that's everything for our review of trademarks and copyrights. If you have questions, of course, please come visit us in the HQ. We are happy to answer questions about the episode there. Or if you need to schedule a consult with an attorney, you can visit hashtag legal.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Ease Influencer Marketing Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you like the podcast, we'd love if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help new listeners find us. If you have any questions, you can email us at questions at businessease.com. We'd really love to hang out with you in our Facebook group, the Business Ease HQ. To join, visit businessease.com slash HQ. We want to give a big thank you to our producer, Don Jackson of the Raven Media Group, for making us sound so very good. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.